0: Welcome to the Milestone Mama Podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Hollis, wife, boy mom, and former fitness instructor turned photographer, educator, and birth doula. Becoming a mom in 2020 completely changed my life, and even though it was the greatest joy I've ever felt, it definitely came with some challenges that no one could have ever prepared me for. But I found so much healing and community, and that's why this podcast was born. Tune in each week as we uncover all of the nuances of being a mom from pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and everything in between. If you're ready to connect, to grow, to learn, to feel inspired, seen, and heard, then you've come to the right place. And I'm so glad you're here, Mama. Mama let's go ahead and get this thing started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Milestone Mama. We have a special birth story today. We have Kim here on the podcast to tell her birth story with her daughter. Kim, thank you so
1: much for being here. Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited
0: too. So I know you kind of gave me a a brief little overview when we were emailing about scheduling the podcast, but I really want you to just take this opportunity to share your story from your point of view um, and kind of what you've learned in your time since processing it maybe, and you can just start at wherever you feel like your story begins.
1: Okay. Um, yeah, it's been crazy. Somehow it's been 14 months since I had my daughter Madison. (laughs) Um, it's still surreal to me how quickly it goes, but, um, so I got pregnant with her and of course we were super excited and I kind of, was in tune with, you know, doing research and following along in the pregnancy and make sure she was hitting the marks and things like that. And as I got further along, um, I actually had a really pretty easy pregnancy, pregnancy, um, not a ton of morning sickness or anything like that. Um, so it was pretty easy, but as we got further along to like the 30 week mark, um, we noticed she was still breech. And I want to say around, 32 weeks. I went in for just like my routine prenatal and um, the doctor had come in and, you know, they were talking about how she was breached and we really liked to see her flip by, I think they said 35, 36 weeks, I want to say. And the doctor at the time had already started talking about a C-section and I was kind of blown away because that felt really early to me to even go there yet. And, you know, my husband and I, we did a birth class and we were so into it. We took notes. Like we were like, we were going to be so prepared. We wrote a birth plan. We had everything planned out. And during the cesarean part of that birth class, we kind of didn't really pay attention if I'm being honest, because we were just like, Oh, we don't, we don't need that. That's never going to happen to me. We'll listen just to have an idea in case, but we felt really confident that it wouldn't happen that way. Um, so back to when she was was breach and my doctor bringing up a C-section I was you know it kind of it startled me a little bit especially especially since it was so early um and I kind of I told them I really want a vaginal birth I really don't want to have a C-section um because I know that recovery is much longer and a lot harder so he at that point was like you know we'll give it some time we do have a little bit of time so I went back in for my next visit I think it was still monthly at that point. So that would have been 36 weeks. Um, or no, you know what? It was before, sorry, my timeline is a little off. It's been a while. Okay. I know, right? <laughs> um, it was a little before the 32 week mark where she was breached. When I went back for that 32 week mark is when he brought up the C-section and I said, I really don't want to, let's give it more time. And I had actually looked up and researched the Webster's technique. Have you ever heard of that?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay.
1: So I did a ton of research on that and it's really just to kind of help align the pelvis and open it up to give the baby more room. And I read that it has helped flip reach babies and me being so set in my ways, I was not going to have a C-section. I did go see a chiropractor. I want to say I had two or three adjustments, um, with her before I went back to my next appointment. And, um, at that point, the baby was, she was transverse. So she, it was like, she was making her way. Um, So I was a little hopeful for that. I of course wanted her to be head down, but she wasn't quite yet. And at that appointment, I just remember the doctor coming in and this is when he really started pushing for a C-section and I'm only 36 weeks. I know that's close, but in my mind, I'm like, we still have time. I'm not ready to schedule that and say, yes, I'm going to have a C-section. I want to try to have this baby vaginally. So I left that appointment really worried and concerned. Um, Honestly, I was kind of, I don't know if uncomfortable is the right word, but it did bother me that he was pushing for it so hard without giving the baby time to flip. And we still had, you know, four weeks till four term, full term. Did he give you any,
0: sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you. Did he he give you any sort of like insight as to here are some things you could try to do to encourage her or was he just kind of like, this is, this is my only option here?
1: No, he, well, he said we could do the, um, where they turn her manually. What's that called again? The the aversion. Yes. And that just really freaked me out (laughs) to be honest. Yeah. yeah, cuz it's not guaranteed that it's going to work. It can cause stress for the baby. I was yeah. already feeling the stress. <laughs> so, yeah. I really told him when he mentioned that I wasn't interested in doing that at all. And I yeah. actually brought up the Webster's technique to him and told him that I was seeing a chiropractor and uh he kind of laughed it off to be honest, which I guess maybe he just doesn't believe in that or thought you know, at this point the baby wasn't going to turn and this was the best bet, but I kind of stood my ground. And I was like, I'm not ready to schedule that yet. How late do we have to wait to schedule that? Um, and you know, with COVID they had to schedule things earlier, but for me, I just wasn't at the point. I felt like if I scheduled it, it was going to happen. So I just wasn't there. Yeah. Um, so I left that appointment and I just felt really uneasy. I didn't like that. I felt like he was pushing for that and not listening to the birth that I wanted to have and the birth experience I wanted. Um, So I kind of just left and I was like, you know what? I still have time. If God's plan is for me to have a C-section and that gets my baby here healthily, that's what I'll do. But I just wanted to wait it out and give her a chance to flip. So I did go get a couple more adjustments before my next appointment. I think I got two in one week because I was being seen weekly at that point. Um, So when I went back at 37 weeks, she had flipped and she was head down. And it was like almost as exciting as finding out I was pregnant. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) So I was super excited, came home, told my husband, you know, we started, we were getting our bags together at that point. We were super excited. Um, Then of course I was seen bi-weekly. I went all the way to my due date, which was November 18th. So I was 40 weeks on the dot (laughs) at my appointment. And that's when they told me they wanted to schedule an induction. Um, So I think that was a, it was a Friday, I want to say, um, or a Thursday. And I had to go get my COVID test the next day to be induced on the following Monday. So me being the optimist I am, I'm thinking it's fine. I'm not going to be in, I'm not going to be induced. She's going to come on her own this weekend. So all weekend goes by and, you know, I'm just like waiting for something to happen. It didn't, she was stubborn and (laughs) wasn't ready to come out yet. So we went in that following Monday, um, and they did a folly bulb. I went in, I want to say it was four o'clock. We got settled in and checked in and all that. And, um, they came in and did the folly bulb a couple hours later, which is not the most comfortable thing in the world. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and kind of just told me, you know, tonight, take it easy, get as much rest as you can. Um, we'll really start picking things up in the morning. We'll probably come in between three and 5am and start Pitocin and then break your water and go from there. So somehow I was able to fall asleep. I was tossing and turning. I did have some slight cramping and small contractions. Um, but I did get some sleep. And then next thing I know I'm waking up and it's seven o'clock in the morning and I'm like, Oh my gosh, where is everybody? This was supposed to start, you know, between three and five. Well, the nurse came in and she's like, we had a crazy night. We're doing They were switching shifts and um they had two emergency C-sections and um another delivery. So she was like, we're just catching up. It was crazy night, blah, blah, blah. Um, the doctor is gonna come in and we'll start the Pitocin and um kind of go from there and then break your water and all of that fun stuff. So (laughs) they started the Pitocin um contractions, started picking up and they came in and checked me a couple times. That time when they started it to however many times they came in is kind of a blur um, because things were really picking up and getting a little intense. Um, but when they came in and checked me, they kept saying she really isn't dropped to where we would like. She, she hasn't dropped at all. I was dilating. The volleyball came out, um, but I wasn't really progressing. She wasn't dropping. Um, so they upped the Pitocin and then broke my water. And from there, it was like, okay, this is, this is real. It's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And the crazy thing is I had a birth plan written out and I had this vision of how I wanted it to go. And not one time did I pull that birth plan out and give it to anybody. And like, looking back, I'm really kicking myself for that. Um, But when you're in the moment and it's your first time, it's so hard to keep up with what's going on. And I was just so concerned with how the baby was doing and was I progressing and then just trying to get through the contractions. And it was kind of a whirlwind and I want to say around noon, they came in and checked me and I was five centimeters, 80% effaced, and, but she still hadn't dropped. And, um, at that point, contractions were very intense. I was doing everything I could to get comfortable. They kept having a hard time monitor- monitoring her heartbeat. So they were having me in all these positions and flipping me over. And um, it got very intense. And I ended up um, asking for, I really didn't want an epidural. So I ended up asking for just the medication to kind of give me a break. Cause yeah. I felt like I had been doing it forever and nothing was progressing. So I did. And um, it knocked me out. I slept for like an hour, (laughs) which was probably needed at the time. And then um, this is where things do get a little fuzzy, but um, they, I think right before or right when I woke up, I was going through the contractions. They kept telling me she's not dropping. She's not dropping. And throughout all of this, the same doctor that I had seen had mentioned a C-section like multiple times already. And, um, from the second I got into the hospital, like hadn't even really, Mm -hmm. nothing had really started happening yet. Um, but I just stood my ground and I said, I really want to give my body time and the baby time. And if she's doing okay and that's not medically necessary, that's not what I want. Um, and I want to say he brought it up two more times. And the second time I I'm not going to lie. I got a little firm. And I said, listen, I want a vaginal birth. I don't want to have a C-section if she's doing okay. I don't want to take that route yet. Um, and he said, okay, her heart rate looks good. And he kind of backed off and kind of let things happen from there. Um, I did end up getting an epidural, um, cause it got very, very intense and I was just getting discouraged and I didn't know how much longer I could do that with no, she still wasn't dropping. Um, and then he came back in and he said, we're going to turn off the epidural, which I didn't even know was a thing. (laughs) I didn't know you could just kind of cut it off like that, but he was thinking, they were thinking that wasn't allowing me to push properly for her to, um, come down where she needed to be. So they did and up the Pitocin, I want to say, and, um, I pushed for, probably almost an hour. And she was doing fine. They were still monitoring everything in between contractions and pushes. Um, but after about an hour, um, I kind of noticed things got a little hectic and they were quiet for a second. And so, you know, I instantly am like, what's going on? Why, you know, what are we doing? And he said, um, baby's heart rate is dropping. Baby's heart rate is dropping. And to hear that and be in that moment and, you know, it's terrifying because you don't know why that's happening. And here I am pushing to not have a C-section and now her heart rate's dropping. So I'm just immediately like, whatever we have to do, do it. Like, let's do it. And he said, we're going back for a C-section. And I just remember things instantly were like, the shift in the room and the craziness going on, I looked over at my husband and he already had like scrubs on and everything and was ready to go. And so they pushed me back. And, um, while they were prepping me, he had to sit out in the hallway and I just remember looking over at him and he was a wreck, terrified, Mm. looked like he saw a ghost. Um, so they get me back and they put in, um, I guess turn the I don't know what they did with the epidural, whatever they needed to do at that point to numb for the procedure. And I just remember going into the OR and I was shaking because I was so cold and all the medicine they were giving me. I was just terrified and in my own head about why was I pushing for this? Maybe I should have listened to them, but also at that point, I kind of said to myself, you have to put that aside. It's okay that it didn't go according to plan. Your baby needs to be here and this is the way to do it. Um, so after what felt like 30 minutes, it was probably like five. Um, my husband came in and they took me back right around six. Um, so my husband came in, um, and they did the procedure, took a couple minutes and she was there. Um, they lifted her up over the curtain. And I just remember looking over at my husband, and it, it was funny because all of the nurses and stuff kept asking him, Are you okay? Are you going to pass out? And I'm like, You're asking him if he's okay. I'm trapped to a table over here. <laughs> right? Hello. <laughs> um, right. But um, they lifted her above the curtain, and um, it took her a second to cry. But when she did, I was just, it was surreal, the happiest I think I've ever been in my life. I look over at my husband, he's bawling like a baby. <laughs> um, and then, you know, they took her and made sure checked her out and made sure she was okay. And he kind of looked at me and I was like, you better go be with her right now. What are you doing? It's like, I don't want to leave you. And I'm like, go be with our baby. Um, so it was just a whirlwind. And I think the hardest thing for me at that point was I'm sitting there and they're closing me back up and, um, I had a great team around me. I really did. The anesthesiologist was awesome. And he kept talking to me and checking in on me, but it was just kind of crazy because my baby's over there with my husband, they're closing me up and they're just having day-to-day conversation. <laughs> like it's nothing. Cause they do this all the time. Right. And I just remember laying there being like, where is my baby? Cause at that point I hadn't even really got a good look at her. Um, so they finally brought her over and, um, I was so exhausted and just like, I felt mentally defeated in a way. Um, but I was also extremely happy and I had that, you know, I can't believe I just did this and, you know, everything I went through and she's finally here and I would do it all again. But in that moment, I just kind of relaxed in an odd way because I knew that she was okay and I did what I had to to get her here. And um, from there, they took us to recovery and she was born at 650. So by the time we got into recovery and I held her for the very first time, it was like 815. Wow. Um, yeah. So I don't really know why... I didn't have that moment with her on my chest in the OR, but I think everything felt so peaceful and my husband was so happy holding her. And I kind of was just relaxed and recovering a little bit yeah. that I, it just in the moment, I wish I would have made that happen, but in the moment it felt right. And we had our moment in recovery and we did skin to skin and um, it was amazing. But thinking back to how long it took for me to actually hold her is crazy to, look back on. Yeah. So that's
0: That's the whirlwind of, yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. And it sounds, I'm so sorry that, you know, you, it's because to me, it's sounding like, unfortunately, you had a provider that from the very get-go just wasn't very supportive of your desires. And yes, there's nothing to be regretful for because you stood your ground and you did everything that you could have and your baby got there safely. So that's wonderful, but that still doesn't take away from the fact that you didn't feel supported through that. And that stuff still really matters. Um, so I guess my question for you is how did it feel like, how was your recovery? How did it feel to then enter motherhood and kind of like process having that sort of a, a birth experience?
1: Um, it was a little rocky, um, to begin with because I was just so wrapped up in, you know, just the happiness of her finally being here that I didn't really have a second to process everything that I went through. Right. Um, and there were a couple of times during my care with this practice where I questioned switching doctors and I just felt like it was too late. And, Um, so when we finally got home, I remember my mom came to meet her for the first time and she hugged me and I just lost it. And I was like, it's just hitting me how much I just went through. And, um, I just kind of started reflecting on the doctor and how I didn't feel supported. And honestly, that in itself, other than, you know, bringing my baby girl into the world is one of the main reasons I wanted to share my story is because I want expecting moms, new moms, to know that, or even any mothers that are, you know, second, third pregnancy, to know that if you're in a um, the care of a provider who you don't feel is supporting you, at any point, it is okay to leave and find a new provider if you don't feel supported and they're not on your side it's going to be in your best interest to find somebody who is because they should be supporting you. It's your birth story. It's bringing your baby into the world. And I just think that's so important and it's so easy to plan for what you want it to look like and have a birth plan. But when you're in, when it's happening and you're in it, everything happens so quickly, especially for a first time mom, you just don't know what to expect. What questions can you ask? What can you, you know, say, no, you don't want to do all of those things. So for me, it was a big learning lesson. Um, I won't be going back to that practice and moving forward, wherever I do go, I really want a team that supports me and is going to be on my side and encourage me to have the type of birth that I want.
0: Yeah, there's, it's so true. It's never too late. I think that's a common misconception. Um, and you know, in some areas, like in, in my area, there's really only, unfortunately, like three or four options mm-hmm. in general. So I get that some people aren't necessarily um, in a position where they can do that, I guess. Right, but right. in the very least, it's good to, like you said, like do everything that you can, ha- like build a team, take the classes, educate yourself, stand your ground as much as you can. And yes, hopefully, find the provider that, supports you through it because obviously that's going to dictate so much of the outcome. Absolutely. Um, But if if all that aside, if that is possible, there, you know, there's so much we can we can do as well. Um I'm curious with the how did you feel about like the induction in general? Because you just you mentioned that you had made it to 40 weeks. Mm-hmm. They wanted to just go ahead and induce you. How are you feeling about that? And I guess, what was your doctor's
1: um, stance on you being induced for your due date? Um, at, when I was in the appointment and they told me that and they were saying that they don't like to like to see it go past a certain point um, mm-hmm. because of the risk with that. Um, in my mind, I was like, okay, that's what we need to do to get her here safely. Let's do it. And then I remember leaving and I, I'm one of those people that's going (laughs) to look up everything and research. And I like to be prepared and know what I'm going into. And I just started seeing that it increases, you know, chances of a C-section or the labor being a lot tougher and longer. And I kind of got in my own head a little bit and freaked myself out, but, um, it was nerve wracking for sure. Um, but I just kind of had to keep reminding myself of why I was doing it. And, you know, the end goal is to have a healthy baby. So at that point I kind of just trusted them on the induction and hoped for the best, honestly. And I try to stay as positive as I could. And um, I mean, that's all you really can do in that
0: yeah. situation. Yeah, so. for sure. And it's like you said, I mean, especially when you go through it the first time, but I think this is probably true anytime if a medical professional tells you anything about any sort of risk or like something that they don't like to see immediately, we're just like, okay, because we, as the mom want what's best for the baby. And of course right, do ever want to compromise that. But I think it's so important that doctors can also back that up with like, here are my reasons why I prefer this. Here are the risks. Here are the alternatives. Here's what happens if you decide to not do this. You know, I think right. there's just a little bit of a lack of like informed consent there with things, yes. Um, cause I felt the same way, like I was induced for medical indication and they didn't even looking back. I don't regret it at all because I, I felt that it was the safer thing to do given my condition. Right. But looking back, I kind of reflected on like, you know, they just told me there was an increased risk of stillbirth with what I had. They didn't tell me what the actual risk was. They didn't tell me the risks of the induction itself. Um, mm-hmm. It was just like, boom, decision made. And that's okay. Yes. You know, right. that's fine. I don't regret it. I, like I said, but that's where I feel like, hmm, I think sometimes there should be a little bit more of a conversation, just at you know, the very least, know what to expect because. I mean, until I like until the word induction came up, I was like, I'm not being induced. And I didn't, I had no idea what it would even like entail or look right. like, you know? So,
1: yeah, that's pretty much how it happened for me. And looking back, I have those same feelings like, wow, I wish I would have like at least asked for them to elaborate a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and even thinking back to like with the Pitocin and um, the Folly Bulb and just everything with the induction like knowing what I know now. And again, I wouldn't change how it happened because it happened the way it was supposed to, but just kind of knowing what I know now, looking back, I had no idea I could, first of all, I had no idea there were certain dosages of Pitocin and, you know, just all of these things that the nurse or doctor just comes in and say, okay, we're starting this, here we go. You know? And I, as a first time mom had no idea that I could be like, well, can we maybe do it a little slower, give my body time to progress and, you know, mimic a more natural labor. I had no idea that was an option. And I sometimes wonder, which I know what ifs are not always the best, but you can't help but wonder sometimes if I had a little more time or it was slower, more in a more natural progression, would it have ended in a Mm -hmm. C-section? But I don't get hung up on that because you know, it was the way it was supposed to happen and ended up being okay. And she's healthy. And that was the main thing, but, you know, it's just, I just think that educating yourself and knowing, um, the questions to ask when things come up, or even if it comes up and you're in the appointment and you go home and then you're like, wait a second. (laughs) And you start researching, it's okay to go back and then ask those questions. Um, and I, I know for me personally in the appointments, I would have 10 million questions before I went in and then I got there and they're like, do you have any questions? And I'm like, Nope, I'm great. (laughs) Yeah. You forget it all. I know. So I just, I think it would be good, you know, if you have the questions even after the fact to go back and ask and get the elaboration and just be educated in the decisions you're making.
0: Absolutely. Cause like you said, you know, we, we don't want to get hung up on the what ifs, right. Because right in that moment, you made the right decision, right? You right. did everything that was right in your, in your power. Um, mm-hmm. However, there's also nothing wrong with, like you said, reflecting and asking questions so that you mm-hmm. go into your future or future pregnancy, just kind of with a little bit more clarity and like hopefully the ability to process things and maybe do them differently. Next time, or right. maybe if it turns out the exact same next time, you at least feel more confident in those
1: decisions. Yeah, exactly. And um, there was one part of the story I wanted to share that, um, not a highlight, more of a negative side, but I just want to share it because I feel like these things happen and they're not always talked about. And if it can empower another, you know, mama to be sp- to advocate for herself. I just think it's important to share. Um it was we were in recovery. It was actually the day we were being discharged, which was Thanksgiving, um, which was really weird because everybody kept coming in and saying happy Thanksgiving. And we were like, what? <laughs> what days? <is> <laughs> <laughs> um but um I had got up and like started walking around and of course was super sore. You know, a C-section is a major surgery. Um and I decided I was going to take a shower before I went home just in case I needed the help and there would be nurses there. Um, so I, I showered on my own, the nurse offered to help me, but I'm one of those, like I got it. (laughs) Um, and I did need help getting out and I was just going to have my husband kind of help, you know, get me cleaned back up, dressed, whatever. Um, and as he was doing that Madison, our daughter, she started screaming and she had been, which this is something I learned as well from C-section babies, because they don't go through the birth canal. They have a lot more fluid in their, um, lungs and stuff. So we had noticed sometimes she would be sleeping and it would almost sound like she was choking. Mm -hmm. And the first time we heard that we were terrified and had no idea, you know, what was going on. So the nurse came in and didn't fully explain it, but they kind of just showed us what we could do, whatever. Um, so that happened as my husband's trying to help me kind of get dressed and get ready to go. And so he, of course, I was like, go be with her. I'm fine. I got myself, you know, in a seated position, towel wrapped around me. Um, and I called the nurse. Well, my nurse was in another room. So this nurse comes in and she kind of came in and was just kind of like, didn't really say anything and just kind of looked at me and I was like, Hey, I'm really sorry. Like, I just, I need help. I'm really sore having a hard time getting dressed, whatever." And she looked at me and said, oh, is it still sore to bend over? And I just kind of sat there for a second and was like, yes, I just had a C-section. Of course, I'm sore. And I, I was just like, yes, ma'am, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I just needed help really quick. The baby started crying. And she looked at me and she said, that baby could have waited and your husband could have come in here. She, it's okay for the baby to cry. If you want to go home today, you're going to have to figure this out. And I remember in that moment being so, just like mortified. I was already humiliated that I needed help getting dressed and that I couldn't be the one to rush over to my baby. Mm -hmm. And when she said that, I was just holding back tears. And I said, you know what, if you can just help me, that would be great. And she got me to a point where I was like, I'm good. I don't need any more help. And I came out and she had left the room and I just sobbed. To my husband and he heard it but he was with the baby who was screaming and you know we're first time parents but I just felt so I was angry I was humiliated I was upset you know kind of a little bit in shock because I felt like isn't this what you're here for I you know I needed your help and yes we're going home today but you know And I just remember after that, my nurse came back in and she said, your blood pressure is really high. The doctor wants to talk to you and make sure that it's okay for you to go home. Are you feeling anxious or nervous? And in that moment, I wanted to scream like, yes, my blood pressure is high because of how I just was treated. But at that point, I just knew that I wanted to go home and, you know, kind of be in my safe space. And I, I'm not really one to complain or make a scene or You know? And, um, so I just told her I'm okay. I'm just a little anxious, a lot of emotions, which is normal afterwards anyway. Um, and they ended up discharging us and, um, I was going to make a complaint and say something, but I got home and, you know, I thought about it and I kind of just, we don't, you know, healthcare workers, I give them all the credit in the world. I really do. And we don't, I didn't know what kind of day she was having, you know, for all I know, something tragic happened to her earlier in that day. And she just didn't respond in her best ability um, at the time. But I just felt so disappointed that I had that kind of treatment after everything I just went through. And I ended up not saying anything, kind of kept it in and didn't make a complaint or anything. And just looking back in the moment, I wish I would have kind of stood up for myself a little bit more or at least talked to somebody, my nurse about it. Um, but I just think it's one of those things that happens, unfortunately, sometimes. And um, I guess if any, you know, of course, I don't want anybody else to experience that. But if it does, I just think it's important to, to know that you can stand up for yourself and we don't know everything that healthcare workers endure in a day, but you know, it happens. And it was just kind of a surreal moment, I guess. It's nothing I would have expected.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry you went through that, that because that is so, I want to say like somebody like that should not be a postpartum nurse. I mean, I totally understand people are human. They right have bad days we were in a we're still in a pandemic I get it Mm -hmm. you know however that type of a gesture and a comment and the way that you were treated probably affected you for days weeks months into your entrance into motherhood like that words are so powerful and can speak Mm -hmm. life or death into people and the fact that she was Undermining your ability as a mom, mm-hmm. and uh, just the fact that you literally just went through a huge life transformation on top of a, an induction le- leading into an unplanned cesarean, which you are very right. much still recovering from a couple days later. Are you kidding right. Me, that's just incredibly insensitive and wrong. So, I'm so sorry, but thank you for sharing because. I think it's probably way more common than we think. And moms just kind of like, like you said, just kind of brush those things off where you just mm-hmm. kind of move on with your day. You're enthralled with your baby and-
1: Exactly. Try
0: not to let those things consume you. But again, there's, those are the types of things that'll just kind of be there mm-hmm. to, I don't know, just make you- look back on and always remember that as as a negative part of your experience and that should right. not have been the case. So oh, I guess you've already talked like so much on you know advice for other moms. So this has been really great. But I have been kind of wrapping up each of my birth story episodes asking this question. Um with what did you learn in your birth experience either about yourself or about like how would, how you would approach your next pregnancy and birth situation or maybe both?
1: Um, I would say probably the biggest thing I learned is you are a lot stronger than you think. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, I strength just that I didn't even know existed inside of me was came out when we got home and I was recovering and trying to be a first time mom um and then I would say probably it's okay if your birth plan doesn't go the way that you want it and it can still be a beautiful experience even if you have unfortunate any unfortunate negativity like I experienced it can still um be a positive beautiful experience because I tried really hard not to dwell on the negativity that I did experience and focused on the positives. And, um, I just think that's super important to focus on why you're doing this, the strength that you have and the positives.
0: Yeah. I love that. So good. So many good nuggets and lessons in this one. Well, if there are any, people listening to this who resonate with your story or just kind of want to connect with you do you want to go ahead and plug your contact or your social media or whatever
1: yeah um i'm i do have an instagram it's kp Del Favreau. um that's probably the best way to get in touch if anybody wants to chat or has a similar story or questions or anything so perfect
0: i'll link that in the show notes as well like i always do Thank you so much again, Kim, for sharing your story. And thank you, mamas, for listening. We will chat with you next week. Bye.